get it. Ooh, yeah, yeah. You're listening to Pod Me If You Can. This is Pod Me If You Can. Movie reviews by David and Lloyd. An Australian podcast on your favorite movies. Go to www.podmeifyoucan.com. Welcome to Pod Me If You Can. I'm David Farrell. And I'm Lloyd Hughes. Today's film is The Martian, and uh, Ridley Scott's new film, I just want to say at the head of this, we will be discussing it, having seen the film, and so spoilers for The Martian. Here's the rub. It's going to be four years for another mission to reach me. And I'm in a hat designed to last 31 days. So I got to make water and grow food on a planet where nothing grows. But if I can't figure out a way to make contact with NASA, then none of this matters anyway. We've got an incoming message. My God. <laughs> Mark Watney is still alive. Woo! In your face, Neil Armstrong. There must be some kind of way out of here. Okay, so let's do the math. I have enough food to last for 50 days. He's going to starve to death long before we can help. So, I'm gonna have to science the shit out of this. He's 50 million miles away from home. He's totally alone. What the hell is he thinking right now? I am the greatest botanist on this planet. Uh, Lloyd, NASA found water on Mars in the same week The Martian came out. And uh, I had read something that Ridley Scott was discussing things with NASA beforehand, so he knew about this discovery. And I don't know if this is the biggest coincidence or the best marketing I've ever seen. (laughs) (laughs) It certainly helped. Do you think it needed that um, to help boost... Like, as far as I can see, in this um, uh, movie was really carpet-bombed everywhere, like, commercial-wise. Like, I saw this advertised everywhere. It was insane. That's true. They had, like, a huge TV spot. Um, it was, seemed to be the trailer at the head of every movie. The thing is, though, I feel like it's been really helped by um, the Bourne series as well, because uh, there's a new Jason Bourne film being done at the moment, with Matt Damon, and as people talk about that, stills from the movie, uh, the set, sorry, um, have been leaking. People are saying, oh, blah, 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 Matt Damon, blah, 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 Jason Bourne. Then the next thing they'll say is The Martian. And as well, like, all the news platforms saying Water on Mars, like, The Martian seems to get a lot of play in those stories. Also been helped because of the way it's come out in the States. Now, the two films that have gone up against The Martian are The Intern which is being panned across all platforms. That's the one with Robert De Niro? And Anne Hathaway, yeah, which apparently one reviewer said was the worst film of each of their careers. It looks terrible. I don't know, yeah, well, I think Jack and Jill was... Oh, no, he wasn't in Jack and Jill. That's no, Al Pacino. Wasn't in it. No, this one's De Niro. So, I mean, I'm trying to think of a worse one. I don't know how bad he was in Rocky and Bullwinkle, <laughs> but apparently that was pretty bad too. And Hugh Jackman's pan is being called the first bomb of the year or the, I don't know, financial year or whatever it is, but apparently Pan's not doing well either. So The Martian is the biggest film at the box office because of what it's come up against, and that's an amazing sort of thing in this. We've discussed, you know, how one week a big movie will come out, the next week a bigger movie will come out and just, you know, take it out. And The Martian's had no competition, so to speak. Yeah, well, just sort of, I mean, it seems like it's going to be a hit based on just amazing release and amazing marketing but i didn't read the book i was actually tempted to read andy weir's book but uh, i decided to see the movie fresh and you know uh go in fresh i feel like the story 
relies on the character surviving. Did you assume that he would survive? Uh, yeah, I, I, I had a, a strong feeling that he was going to survive. At the very end when he's twirling around and they're each pulling on the cable or the rope to each other, you, you knew well before that moment was going to happen that he was going to survive, you know, but it, it, it was still a very beautiful and uplifting moment. During that whole final sequence, I was more worried about the astronaut who was not tethered to anything, who was just moving around the ship on the outside. I was like, what is he doing, you know? I feel like, for me, uh, the fact that I assumed he would survive the entire time, I felt like his whole team would survive. The, the death count in this was zero. I felt like there was no tension in the film. I was just waiting for the rescue to happen. And look, the two and a half hours went really fast for me, you know. I, I thoroughly enjoyed the way it was shot. I just felt like, oh, that was it, <laughs> you know. But you, you tweeted or you sent out something saying you really liked the film uh, after yeah i absolutely loved it the cinema i had just fell in love with this movie uh the great thing about the martian is its sense of humor there's a sonic absent from ridley scott's recent work like the counselor exodus which you hated dave i i really <laughs> liked it by the way uh and prometheus all had no sense of humor no moment to just break up the heavy drama and, oh, oh, by the way, Dave and I are huge fans of Ridley Scott. We have actually covered his last three films on this podcast, so be sure to check them out. And we've also covered his brother's entire work. Uh, we did a whole special on Tony Scott, so you guys should definitely check this out. Um, the PAX Cinema I saw this in, I think I saw it, yeah, Thursday night, um, the 9.30 session. Unfortunately, I didn't see it in 3D. Um, they absolutely loved it. They were laughing at all the jokes. I personally loved the line, I'm going to science the shit out of this. And I that saw that... Line. Yeah, that was a great line. And I saw that line when it was first revealed on the internet, which was a drawing on the front page of the Martian script of an astronaut with a speech bubble with that line. So I'm assuming that was Ridley Scott. That You know, Ridley Scott drew that and released that out oh, I, I, as to say, I'm going to do this film next. I laughed then. I laughed every time. Time I heard that line in the trailer and I laughed when I heard it in the movie but the biggest laugh from my screening was when he finds out by text message that no one has told his crew about him still being alive and we see his response off screen like they tell him oh the whole world is watching so please watch your language and he's like oh really <laughs> <laughs> and, and that's a like a classic technique that john ford the great cinema master employs that he puts in a joke and then goes right away to a serious drama uh peter bogdanovich said that he got that from shakespeare and i think a bad example of that is joss whedon in age of ultron which i just saw again recently i think there were way too many jokes in it everyone has a witty line and i mean everyone and i think that becomes so annoying and it takes away from the drama i think there was a little bit of that here a lot of the characters had wit it didn't annoy me too much but i'll know more on a second viewing if like every character just has a witty line waiting um to be released you know that kind of juxtaposition where they throw from something dramatic to something funny there was that bit where they said, uh, you know, there's no way of knowing what he's going through up there. And then they immediately sort of cut to him, like, dancing around and <laughs> having fun. And then as well, though, they preempted that I hope nothing goes wrong kind of uh, speech with the explosion of the food supply, you know, immediately afterwards. I felt a bit like they were jinxing him, but anyway... <laughs> 
I also love the politics of the movie. I think the movie's world is set in the modern day. If NASA like had continued heavy space exploration from the moon landing in '69, like you know Jeff Daniels's character Teddy Sanders, and uh, you know the film in a way addresses the economics of NASA and its public relations and how all that relates to the lives of the astronauts if they're expendable and things like that there was like a touch of that and I found all that so interesting and I just love the whole we're all working together there wasn't any social villain even China is depicted as a friend and Mark Watney becomes like this symbol that unites the world together I, I thought that was just really beautiful it's just interesting how they got that reaction because you're really so much for what need to make it and I, I you know the, everyone just fell in love with it. like the cinema I had was holding on to their seats hoping that he would make it at the end <laughs> mm. yeah I mean I also was hoping he would make it I, I could see the emotional stuff I did feel a bit like the media stuff was a bit too much uh, for me where they were sort of fawning all over the Mark Watney story <laughs> yeah yeah they no. basically they had that live feed in Times Square by the end of the movie and i'm not sure that's how nasa would do it like they wouldn't provide feeds they would fake it they would get a stanley kubrick to fake the whole thing (laughs) they usually do like press conferences like when they you know announce the water on mars that sort of thing I, i wanted so badly to see matt damon making it to earth and everyone waiting for him i wanted to see the celebration but ridley scott skips it and i'm not sure if it's the same in the book and we go straight to worth i I don't know how long it's taken after his return to worth i'm sure they say it but i was just too dumb not paying attention i think it's a smart move but i have to confess i really wanted to see him coming back to earth everyone crying um you know all the celebration and all that i really wanted to see that because you're with watney the whole entire you know for two hours watching him in agony in this place trying to survive I have the answer to that for you. The book ends in space. All the stuff afterwards is manufactured for the film. So they're still in space after the rescue of the book ends. What did you um, think of those last scenes? Uh, well, I didn't mind that he became sort of... He's the guy you'd want training people. I didn't mind that. It was interesting that like Kate Mara's character had a baby with the Sebastian Shaw's character. They were both... So kind of all that wasn't in the book? Wasn't in the book. Okay. No. No, it's all manufactured for the ending. And also at the very end, apparently in the book, after the rescue, they say something to the effect of, if this was a Hollywood movie, we'd all be high-fiving each other. And so in the movie, after they rescue him, everybody high-fives, which is a nod to the book saying it, (laughs) if this was a Hollywood movie. I have something to ask you about that, because for me, Gravity, Interstellar, The Martian, all these space movies we've covered on the podcast... I feel like uh, each one different for its own reasons. I'd like us to rate them, Lloyd. I'd like to hear your thoughts because for me, Gravity shows that, and spoilers for Gravity and probably Interstellar in a second, um, but Gravity shows that return to Earth and that moment where Sandra Bullock steps down, touches the Earth, you know, returns, and that's a huge sort of emotional moment. And for me as well in Gravity, you have constant tension because you don't know if she's going to survive. Uh, you're hoping she is, but I think in that you have more of an example of holding onto your um, your seat, you know, gripping your seat. I was like that from the get-go of Gravity. I was literally ripping my seat apart. That's how tense that movie made me. With Gravity and Interstellar coming out before The Martian, I think some of 
the oomph of this space movie has been taken away. Wow, yeah, that's an interesting point. Well, just because Gravity and Interstellar are so good, now I feel like this is the third best film about space that I've seen in the last two years. If you want me to rank it now, it's a bit hard because, like, I I was really impressed, I think, by... amplified it more so because of the reaction of the audience I had when I saw this Mm -hmm. so I had that huge cinema experience it's not till I watch it again I gotta be honest Gravity didn't have uh, when I watched it a second time just didn't have the same effect because I just thought like my main criticism of it there's just every minute there's something going on and it just got a bit too much or now there's a fire now the cable's tied up now you know what I mean it just got a bit too much there was no moment of pause no no moment to really catch your breath but Gravity is an absolute masterpiece of craftsmanship one of the great cinema experiences I've ever had and I really wish I saw that in 3D that's one of the big disappointments of my recent cinema experience Um, and I love absolutely loved Interstellar I thought it was really emotional and extremely beautiful we both covered the podcast, obviously. And i got to say, um, I'm really blown away with The Martian. Like, uh, it's just so hard to, for me to rank him. So I've got to take the chicken way out and I've got to have to say I'm going to have to wait a bit. <laughs> well, I'll just say that I think probably my favourite was Gravity, yet I haven't had a second viewing. Sure, so, yeah. Uh, maybe I should reserve judgment too. Maybe part of this argument as well, because it, it is an online argument is the stars because maybe you like gravity more if you like sandra bullock more you like interstellar if you're into matthew mcconaughey and if you're a matt damon fan the martian maybe perhaps rates higher i really like matt damon a lot of people don't (laughs) no yeah i like him too i don't know he's kind of an everyman and and there's that joke from um i think it's knocked up no the 40 year old virgin where they say uh you know, I thought Matt Damon was kind of a Streisand, but he's really kicking the shit in this one, like, and they're watching The Bourne Identity. I love it how they cast Sean Bean uh, in this movie, and he's alive, like, the whole way. That, that was really great. I, I love Sean Bean. I think he's fantastic. And I think some of the people were a bit too good-looking for their roles, uh, but I went with it. I think the whole cast was incredible. The only person that stuck out for me was Donald Glover uh, from yeah. Community, and I think that's largely because I'm such a big fan of Community. He just stuck out as a bit hammy for me like a bit uh, okay you know he's uh, you know him as yeah um, exactly that yeah, character in yeah. community okay i like jessica chastain a lot i really feel like she's picking good movie roles yeah. and like whoever her agent is he should get a raise <laughs> <laughs> and i feel like redheads are kind of coming back with bryce dallas howard and you know jessica chastain and i said King. before in our jurassic world podcast i got them both confused i was like <laughs> what what the two different people <laughs> for me uh sean bean I thought he looked too defeated in this, you know, sort of sad. And that I like it when he picks roles where he's, I don't know, um, somebody's husband or like he has to run through an airport or like even Lord of the Rings type roles, you know, where he picks up a sword, you know, Game of Thrones, that sort of business. I feel like in this he's lost something. His character just felt like he had no power and uh, I don't know. He seemed really defeated a lot of the times. I think uh, maybe the politics of NASA has worn him down. Yeah, well, that's it. I thought it was interesting how they said to him, you know, um, at the end of this, I'm going to want your resignation. And I thought, well, that's like three years away or whatever it is for them to come back. The girls they cast in this are all ridiculously good looking. 
like you know from um, Mara is it Rooney Mara or the Kate, s- Mara. Kate Mara she's Rooney sister. Mara's sister yeah the sister um, you know being a hacker in uh, as an astronaut just like right you know <laughs> and then another, another very beautiful girl in, in charge of navigation from NASA itself and it's just like okay you know but it, I, I went with it you know everyone's good looking it's a Hollywood movie you know <laughs> Yeah, well, that's it. I mean, as well, apparently, the uh, getting to fly around like Iron Man was was not in the book. Um, he had the idea in the book, but he didn't get to do it. So, I mean, there's lots of different changes from the book. I feel like they kind of have to Hollywoodize things and have to pick these beautiful actresses, don't they? I mean, it sort of gets butts in seats. As well, the guy who played Martinez, or Martinez, rather, stole the show. I thought there were lots of laughs just from their relationship. What, what got you know? the biggest laughs in the cinema you saw this in? His lines, like the the bit where he did the Fonz photo as well. And blowing himself up, even though it was in the trailer, got some laughs. Just because of the way it was sort of like, you know, that immediate um, explosion. Uh, this, I feel like... Yep. Sorry, no, go. Oh, I was, was going to say, this film is split in three with Watney on Mars, Sanders and team on Earth, and Chastain's team on the spaceship. And I think it's mastery how Scott was able to weave all th- three narratives together. Like, you got the film... I, I think the film is as brilliant as the MacGyver tactics, tactics that Watney employs to save his life. Um, how he was able to weave between the three scenarios... Um, and you know the film celebrates science itself so I really hope it does encourage kids if kids go see this movie to go through in that subject area because it's really the 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 star of this whole movie did you feel bored at any part a lot of the criticism that I read where people were like wow when you leave Matt Damon you really want to go back with Matt Damon but I, I don't know I I really like the politics of it and I like Chastain's team, although I didn't get to know them as much as I'd want to. There was a couple of people in that cast that I thought could have been the social villain. Um, I thought uh, Mara's boyfriend that she kisses... Um, uh, on the mask. Yeah, yeah, I thought he was going to... On the helmet. Yeah, I really. thought he was going to like mutiny, go to Chastain or put some resistance to going back, like he wants to go back to Earth. But I'm glad they didn't go the social villain route, like Russia is like trying to get in on the uh, on this moment or, or china and anything like that there was no social vi- villain similar to what i said on the everest podcast i like it how it didn't do those those things that you'd think it would do i guess space is the villain much like everest was the villain you know the surroundings the environment they get those uh, sandstorms and things like that hitting all the time you know you've got to lose contact with nasa i 100 percent agree with you when you say uh, we didn't get to know chastain's team as much we know she liked disco music. We got to see that little bit of her at the end with someone who found her some disco music. I am pleased she wasn't dating Matt Damon at the end. Like, they had some space love. But uh, didn't you think blossomed. that was weird how Watney has no rel- relatives or loved ones crying for him at home? Like, again, the film refused to go there, and that's what's really interesting about The Martian is what it didn't do. It, it, it didn't have that villain who tries to foil the plans at the end, like I was saying. It didn't have the family at home crying, hoping the hero will make it. The, the only people I thought might have turned bad again was Jeff Daniels, um... And as Teddy Sanders, I thought maybe he might have gone, no, they're too expensive and, you know, just... They're expendable. Yeah, they're expendable, yeah. (laughs) I also read that criticism when you go away from Matt Damon, you know, the film slows down because you do want to stay with Matt Damon the whole film. I found all that stuff interesting as well, which, you know, helped my viewing and obviously yours as well. In the trailer, they show a quick shot of... uh, 
Martinez's family. And if you watch the trailer again, it's like the hand on the screen touching the face of the wife and child. The way they've edited it makes it look like it's Matt Damon's family or Mark Watney's family. So I was watching it expecting that he was going to have a family. And I remember thinking at some point during the film, like, where's his family? It, it and didn't even shit? show it at the end. His only family was like the classroom to a certain extent. And that, that was yeah. it. We Yeah, so it's interesting how they were able to pull off all these reactions from the cinema I saw it with, emotional reactions, when he didn't have that family at home, you know? I did go into it thinking he was going to have a family, so maybe I'm wondering now what it would have been like if he'd had a girlfriend or wife or family or anything, or even if they had, because his parents were alive, he did say, tell my parents this, tell my parents that, if there'd been a scene where they went and got the parents and chatted to them, or... We cut back to the parents watching when he got rescued and they could have had tears in their eyes. That would have been bigger. Maybe we lost something there by removing all of his sort of family and everything. Well, I think it's an emotional card that could have been amplified had they had the family to cut back to. But I think it's been just such a tried and overdone technique that I think that it was a conscious effort by them not to do that. Um, but I'm talking to you, Armageddon. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, the thing is, with, with um, Watney, what's so attractive about it is it's pretty much MacGyver in space. You're watching this master doing their stuff, and he's a bit smug about it. You know, maybe that's just the character, you know, but he has to keep himself occupied to keep his sanity, I guess, and he has to keep that level of confidence really high. And some of the dialogue's a bit over the top, like, oh, by the way, guys, I am a botanist. This is what I've got to do. Like, this is A, this is B, this is C. Uh, that didn't bother me at all. Some of the criticism I heard was just pretty brutal in that regard. <laughs> okay, I mean... All the botanist stuff, you know, growing potatoes and human waste, that stuff was interesting. Yeah, it was. I loved MacGyver, the TV show, although I, I heard it just doesn't stand up if you watch any episodes now, but I love watching them figure out how to get out of a situation and the whole film slows down showing him growing the potato, showing him, you know, working out, oh, this doesn't work, i got to go to that. I love all those moments and I think it was equaled in each section. Maybe Watney was just much more attractive because you're on Mars and anything can happen. It's such a cruel environment. But the politics of NASA really interested me, how they constantly had to worry about the, the finance and how that was dictated by public opinions. And you know what I mean? Like, should they tell the crew? Will that jeopardize their mission? And then it went on about the... You know, Apollo 13, how it had that moment where they were like, oh, we got to figure out how to get all this in this little box. And they had a team in NASA of scientists trying to work it out so they could relay, oh, okay, do this, cut this out, move that. I love all those moments. And there was fragments of that in this movie as well. And even just to the point where, you know, just that communication he was doing where they can move it 360 degrees and do the alphabet. Well, it's, it was interesting. People at NASA don't sleep much, especially when there's a mission going on. So with the uh, MacGyver thing, the answer is always gaffer tape, it seems. <laughs> like gaffer tape well, and Or the Swiss Army of... knife. <laughs> oh, sorry. No, you mean in, in The Martian. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I I like it how Watney leaves 
behind the rover he respects like that vehicle so much that it kept him alive and it kind of reminds me like he leaves a note like look after this vehicle kept me alive and it kind of reminds me of tom hanks's character in castaway when he loses the volleyball wilson like that was so heartbreaking when he screamed wilson i'm sorry wilson and you know the ball ball is floating away and there was a little bit of that for me when he leaves the rover like he's a hardcore scientist but there's something there between man and technology or man and sentimentality i really like that <laughs> i like that the film it's a nice metaphor for life really like uh and also alcoholics anonymous for uh solving one one day at a time this kind of one problem at a time metaphor and as he says at the end you know and if you solve enough problems you just take on one obstacle at a time uh then you get to come home you know then you reach your goal basically um you know if you just sit down and you do one thing at a time then you get there in the end you know one foot after the other kind of thing and i mean that's a nice message uh, to come away from yeah and i love the message at the end of um castaway when he said oh yeah i thought about killing myself but you never know it's going to wash up on the shore and it's just that indomitable human spirit to keep on living and doing the best you can and you have that all throughout the martian like that's what it is like everyone's working to a goal to preserve life and to you know to to get to that ultimate goal getting the hell out of that situation he technically colonizes mars by growing things on it which is great i I didn't get the joke the lord of the rings joke in there oh the the uh council of elrond is the name that they give where in the fellowship of the ring they're all getting together to talk about what they should do with the ring and they you know eventually decide to form a fellowship so that council you know where he's you know we should throw in the fire of mount doom all that sort of stuff that was called the council of elrond and they mentioned that that was the name of the mission like the the name of like the i guess slingshot mission or whatever that they were doing um in the martian so the joke is that sean bean was in lord of the rings as uh boromir and so he was also in the martian i guess that's the joke like they they referenced something from lord of the rings which is obviously a text that exists in the world of the Martian, but in the Martian, Sean Bean's character, I mean, he just looks a lot like the actor, I guess, <laughs> that, that was in Lord of the right. Rings, I suppose. Maybe a more defeated, less good version. <laughs> For me, the the fact that he technically colonizes Mars, you know, and the fact that he um, becomes the fastest man in the history of space travel, you know, by rocketing off of Mars to get rescued, um, both sort of a kind of cool little appealing things he talks about you know of course I want to do that I don't want them to know I want to do that you know I really liked that kind of stuff that was fun I love the music as well that was left over which is kind of hard to believe for me like surely there's a little hard drive like my um, iPod can fit endless counts of of music in it you know and that's just one little stick of iPod I find it just hard to believe there isn't a hard drive in there with more music you know um uh, and that the captain that she was the only one that had music yeah that, that was just a bit weird for me but i, li- I like the music the disco you know turned the beat around and you know he's he's confident driving the rover and all of a sudden he's starting to enjoy the music <laughs> that was great yeah it was a good running gag i like running gags in films and the fact that over the end credits they played i will survive gloria Gaynor was 
was a great move, Mr. Scott. Ridley had done well there, I think. He, he's such a self-confessed logician, uh, Ridley Scott. Like, I've heard that in an audio commentary. Like, he thinks logically about everything. And that's evident, I think, all throughout his work. Like, in Ex- Exodus, we saw the plagues explained by logical reasons with the crocodiles eating each other, frenzied, and the blood poisoning the water, causing the fish and bugs to die, which brings on the bla- uh, plague, etc. Here in The Martian, we have a celebration of science and problem-solving and you couldn't in my opinion ask for a better director to take on the project like i always said ridley scott is one of the greatest visual directors of all time his casting is almost perfect but if he doesn't have the right script you just get a beautiful extremely well acted um film and i think his ear for dialogue is sometimes so distant like i'm not a fan of lines like why won't you let me in or look inside yourself you know people don't talk like that in real life and unless you're doing a shakespearean monologue i think you should stay a hell you know the hell away from it um and the best example of that is the counselor just really awful dialogue that everyone is speaking well beyond their education to the point where it's unbelievable and i think he he made a such a brilliant move getting this script because it was a well-established book everyone loved the book somebody wrote a great um translation of that to a screenplay and he fell in love with it and i really hope ridley scott for his next projects just gets on this mindset you know and doesn't pick these these really hard-hitting humorless scripts you know <laughs> it should be interesting to see because alien paradise lost is his next doesn't sound like there's got to be any comedy in that one those ones (laughs) (laughs) it's um seemingly the sequel to prometheus because michael fassbender and numi rapace are in it i mean it's sort of unknown at this time i guess i think he's just going to produce a couple like uh, i keep hearing there's going to be a sequel or prequel to blade runner and then i hear it's a remake or something like that but um yeah well i don't even untitled yep untitled Blade Runner project he has which stars Ryan Gosling Harrison Ford and is not directed by uh, Ridley Scott it's directed by Denise Villeneuve wait Villeneuve Villeneuve I don't know he's a um uh he's done a Sicar- Sicario uh the, the new one that's out and Enemy and Prisoners which are uh, interesting films with um Jake Gyllenhaal in them but untitled Blade Runner project it it's not gonna have any details you know yeah well people just want updates Ridley scott's like uh, chewing out movies like a 20 year old you know and he's like you know he's pretty old and he just has this incredible vitality to him and he's just batting out like exodus looks like a monster of a film to have made he makes exodus and i think it's the same year he releases the martian you know which is this space it's it's incredible absolutely incredible um so i I know he's got a lot of films left in him yeah no that's the thing i'm so excited i think we're in great times like his record he said he's only going to do a science fiction um film if the script is perfect and this was back in the day when he did alien and then blade runner two of the most influential films in all of science fiction influenced comic books video games movies commercials forever and then he didn't come back till prometheus and that's a really interesting podcast which dave and i did you guys should definitely check that out which we really liked and a lot of people it's a real hit and miss with a lot of people predominantly though a lot of people didn't like it but i think the martian 
is right up there maybe not as grand as um alien or not as influential as blade runner but i think just with the way he crafted those three stories together the sense of humor i think this is a real um great piece of work and as i said in my tweet i think his brother would have been incredibly proud as always especially of this movie i think um he really knocked it out of the park do you see this going in academy award winning or oscar nominated territory or you don't see that going in that direction? well i mean space movies are always effects uh related and i don't think there were very many effects in this movie that are academy award winning maybe nominated but uh for this i see if anything it will be um best adapted screenplay because it's adapted from a book um i could see it being nominated for that best picture and stuff i don't, I don't see it really i feel like uh, it will be lost in the mix because it's too early so far away yeah. from uh, oscars now and i mean that's part of the release you know they know this isn't an oscar-winning movie this is sort of an action movie in space well i saw um, a lot of that in reviews oh this has got oscar buzz and i was like really <laughs> no i don't think so i mean i can't recall the music being amazing but music often would be something to focus on like best score but um for me just some final observations before we wrap up the crew deciding to go and get him you know how they have to make that decision of whether or not to go and get him it's in the trailer it's in the tv spots so probably remembering that didn't help my viewing of it as i said the two and a half hours flew by but i was just waiting for him to be rescued at times um i enjoyed the skinny body double they used for seven months later where he's rationing his food i thought that was cgi'd <laughs> yeah. well it must have been a body double they didn't show his head like he was wearing a towel on his head or something but um as well they they showed the beard and the gross teeth which i thought oh this is really interesting like this is a different look <laughs> the gross teeth of course he doesn't have a toothbrush for whatever reason he's not what is he rationing his toothpaste or he's run out i don't know but you know you find yourself sort of falling into the story a bit more would you go to mars dave if you had the opportunity i don't think he can come back that's the idea nope it's it's a one-way trip mate i'm staying here. yeah me either <laughs> for me i mean the obvious thing is i have a family so i mean unless they're paying me a hundred million dollars to go to mars uh in which case my family will obviously be fine without me uh financially also i feel like i need to see my kids grow up so you, you'll be remembered forever but the existence there sounds and looks horrible yeah well i mean think of the other mars films you can think of <laughs> mars attacks <laughs> uh john carter, john carter yeah. hey if there's That's a beautiful a... princess over there waiting for me then yeah hell sign me up because yeah, yeah w- with the gravity over there in in the logic of that movie we're like i'm a superhuman so yeah if it's like anything like john carter and mars i'm i'm there at mars in a heartbeat <laughs> <laughs> And if the air is obviously as breathable as it is for him, because he adjusts quickly. Last thing I'll say is, or two things, sorry, uh, the crowd at Times Square, I felt like they were only there for the inevitable cheering scene. (laughs) You know, just um, sitting there waiting, ready to cheer. And NASA cheered at everything in every sequence where it was like, oh, he's alive. We got a visual the crew's fine My, you know. i kept thinking of the line in the simpsons all this equipment here is just to write tv radios <laughs> <laughs> yep there was a lot and lastly i did notice what i believe is an error and i just wanted to put it here on the record now i won't know it's an error until a second viewing and lloyd if you watch it before me let me know in the opening speech from jeff daniel's character he's doing a briefing 
where he says Mark Watney has been killed or within that, you know, um, that scene. Now, in his speech, the first time he says it, I think he says Watten, like he gets his name wrong. And then he says Watney, like three, four lines later. And for me, I, I thought I knew the character's name was Mark Watney. And when he said Watten, I thought, oh, did I, did I remember the name wrong or whatever? But then he said it again, like three or four lines later, whatever it was. For that, I think it was an error. And I think he accidentally said Watten and they just never did another take. Not sure, not 100%. As I said, I've only seen it once, but that stood out to me because I knew he was Mark Watney. But I heard Watten. Now, I don't know if that's Jeff Daniels, the way he delivered it, but I just want it on the record. <laughs> I think he stuffed it up. I'll check it out on the Blu-ray when I get that, because this is definitely one I'll get on Blu-ray. And everyone else at home, that's your homework as well. Check it out on the Blu-ray, <laughs> or when you go to the cinema, if you've listened to this and then you've thought, I'm still going to watch it, <laughs> even though you obviously know everything, we mentioned the spoilers, check it out, Watten or Watney. That's a pretty good hashtag, actually, Wotten or Watney. Well, thanks for listening, guys. Next time on Pod Me, if you can, we'll be dealing with a request from one of you. I won't say what it is yet. The person who's requested it may know what it is because we did mention to them to look out for it in November. Apologies that we had to wait a whole month to get to The Martian. I mean, it came out in early October, but video game month was happening, Lloyd. And uh, I think it's been a great success. Video game movie adaptations. There's a whole back catalogue from the month of October you guys can go and check out and uh hear our thoughts on upcoming video games if you guys have a request for us uh you'll find us on facebook all the links to find lloyd and myself are at www.podmeifyoucan.com thanks very much for listening guys and we will talk to you next time hit it for listening please like us on facebook and follow us on twitter go to www.podmeifyoucan.com pod me if you can movie reviews